Father, we just thank you for this time where we just sit quietly before you and we allow now the Spirit to speak. The Spirit to speak to us personally and as a group. We do remember, Larry, that you just pray for him, Lord, for healing. Touch his body so that he is able to do what's necessary to continue on the healing and getting better. Healing and getting better. Continue the process. Where your loving grace just touches him and he just knows of it. And he is assured of your presence. Lord, we ask that you also bless this group. You know there is much that's been going on this year. And frankly, there's more to come. We know that you, in the midst of all of it though, are good. You continue to be good. And you continue to bless us and keep us. Thank you for your covering. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for all you have done for us and all that you will continue to do for us as well too. And we thank you for your kingdom. We know that we have a lot to look forward to. Just trust us, Lord, to be obedient to you and to your word in all that we do. And all that we're about. And we thank you and give you praise and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. My wife and I, up until now, have been working at home. We've been working at home since March the 17th. So you see where we are now, and next week, we get to set the clocks back. (laughs) So the time has just gone by uh, rather amazingly quickly, believe it or not. And that's the way it is sometimes. You know, I guess during old war times, it was the same thing, right? It was always the same reporting, the same things that were taking place, and you hear about it from time to time, but life goes on. So, of course, by working from home, and we're not complaining, by the way, it's a good thing, it's changed our previous dynamic of work as we've always known it. And those of you who are still working, you know what it's about. You've got to get up early in the morning, get ready, get out, face rush hour traffic, fight through that, and by the time you get to work, you're exhausted. Well, amen, we don't have that as an issue right now. Praise the Lord. Um, It's been a good experience for us. And it's provided us an opportunity to do some things even around our house. You know, when you're home enough, you can actually look around and see what things need to be done. What needs to be accomplished. What have we been able to get to now that we couldn't get to before? Um, And we made some changes, which was really good. Um, We've been in the house 15 years. Yeah, it's been 15 years since we've been married. <laughs> Amen. And so now, after 15 years, we can actually look at some things that hadn't been done before. So, for the first time, this year, we had the house and the roof power washed. We added some plants and some flowers in the front and the rear of our house. And we purchased some new chairs for our patio. Amen? Amen! Amen. (laughs) Hey, you might as well laugh about stuff, right? Um, But that was a good thing. These were all good things that need to be done. I was surprised how much we were able to do. And it was only because our time at home gave us a chance to look around and see the possibilities. See what needed to be done. One of the bigger projects that I wanted to solve 
was the gravel area next to our concrete driveway. Now, it was in place when we moved in. It was there for the parking of an extra car or something. That was really the only purpose for it. And it was put down by the previous homeowners, but they put it down without a plastic tarp under the rocks and gravel. <laughs> Everybody knows where this is going. <laughs> this allowed grass and weeds to grow up into and through the rocks. It had become so unsightly that I hired the gentleman who cares for our lawn to bring his backhoe and dig up all of the gravel, grass, weeds and all, and replace it. He dug up the entire gravel area and he hauled away the debris and he laid down a thick plastic covering over the entire bed of dirt before adding some new white rocks. There were some older rocks from the bed that were mixed in with the newer rocks. The end result was a beautiful new pad of rocks and gravel for a parking car to the side of the driveway. All the work was done in an afternoon. I'm glad it wasn't me, because even with a backhoe, there was a lot of digging and a lot of edging that had to be done. Amen. When the project was completed, there was no grass or weeds present. It was a very clean and pristine look. Well, it wasn't too long after the project was done when we started to see small patches of grass and even a few weeds pop up within the bed of rocks. Even with a new plastic covering, you will find that weeds will grow without any real need for soil. The weeds pop up with a little water and just as they do in any garden, they spoil the appearance wherever they appear. Weeds not only spoil gardens, but they choke off the life of the surrounding plants. Weeds are indeed a nuisance. You can be one of the best gardeners on earth. Yet you are in a constant struggle to keep the weeds out of your garden. Amen? You can be the best gardener in the world, but you're always going to have weeds to pull. They can appear virtually from nowhere in almost no time at all. When we think of weeds, amen, we want to get rid of them. And yet, we need either to use a weed-pulling tool or weed-killer to wipe them out. <laughs> I've never heard so many amens about weed-killing. Going through a whole new path, Pastor Gus. Remember that. <laughs> For our purposes, we are to consider weeds as being much the same as the pervasive nature of sin in our lives. Amen. Some quiet amens to that one. As soon as I mention that word, sin. 
Scripture also mentions the pervasive nature of weeds in Matthew chapter 24 with Jesus Christ's parable of the weeds. Now, we're going to look at, well, it's actually verse 24, chapter 13. But we're going to look at Matthew 13. Go to that. Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. And it's an excellent parable. It's something that we need to make be mindful of. And we kind of talked about this very briefly in Sunday school this morning. It's important for us to reach out to other people and see how they're doing. But it's really, really important for us now to see that we are taking care of our own business when it comes to sin. And going before the Lord and taking these matters to Him on a regular basis. Let's start with Matthew Verse 24, Matthew 13. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Verse 28. He said to them, an enemy has done this. Did you get that? An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them, Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, after this statement, after this parable, the disciples asked for clarification. Because as you may remember, the purpose of a parable, a parable that Jesus Christ gives, is to tell a story in order to illustrate a truth. That's what a parable is. It's a story. But it's presenting, for the purposes of this conversation, a truth. So it's important to know that Jesus told these stories, and told all the stories that he gave, with a purpose. And there were some who would understand the truth from them, while others who were not interested in truth, would not learn anything from them. And he said so as much. The explanation to the disciples followed the previous passage a few verses down in Matthew 13. Drop down to verse 36 in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 36. And we're going to read through verse to verse 43. Verse 36, And he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Verse 37, He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the 
devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So look at the truth that Jesus expressed about the weeds in the field. The weeds are the enemy of the good seed. And the field we live world and the, the field is the world that we live in. Everywhere that we go, we have to deal with these weeds, which originate from the enemy of Jesus Christ. The weeds, the sin, is a result of the enemy. The enemy is not all powerful. But he is indeed, he has the ability to mess things up in our lives if we allow him to do so. Get that? He can mess things up, but we have to allow that. Weeds, just as in our gardens, need to be pulled and discarded. Amen? Weeds are a very good way to refer to the presence of sin in our lives. We need to pull those weeds. Stop that sin. And throw it away. Now, here's a question for you. Do I need, let's just have a look. Do I need to get specific as to what sins I'm referring to that we need to reckon with? I saw someone shake their head no. Well, okay. We'll just leave you out of the picture then, okay? But for everybody else, And most importantly, let's talk about the sins that we need to take directly to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You ready to pull some weeds? Let's start with these descriptions of sin types. You can jot them down if you have the capability of doing so. Pridefulness. Envy. Gluttony. Lustfulness. Anger. Greediness. Laziness. Wow. Laziness got a real reaction there, didn't it? 
Well, it's just between us, okay? Just between us and everybody who's watching online. Amen? That's all. These are a list of what are commonly referred to as the seven deadly sins. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. That's the list of the seven deadly sins. These were first mentioned in the days of Pope Gregory the Great in the 6th century. Each of these sins, if you look at this very objectively, should give every one of us pause. Because each of these sinful actions are foundational in nature because they can lead to even greater transgressions by man against God. Greater transgressions. So in other words, these are starting points that lead to greater trouble. We need to look at what Scripture says about sin and never look at this list as a list of exclusivity. However, nearly every sin that we commit may refer back to one of these items from this list. Here's an important reminder about sin. God hates sin. Amen? Y'all gonna probably feel like you didn't want to come today. That's okay. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Let's take a look at what it says. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. I typically read from the English Standard Version. Um, This is another verse that I'll be reading from that version as well, too. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. And you've seen this before. But we need to emphasize, sin needs to be completely out of our lives. The way we think, how we act, what we do, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can as we look at ministering to other people, that we are in fact looking to the Lord for assistance in this area. Verse 16, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Well, that covers a lot, doesn't it? Haughty eyes represents pridefulness. Pridefulness. Even at a level of utter contempt and condemnation of others. You know, when you're so prideful that you just don't like somebody. Utter contempt for somebody. Well now, I'm going to tell you something. That is a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. Because now you're just being blind. You don't see anything else but that other person. And you're giving direction to something that's not helpful for your own health. A lying tongue, referred to in the passage is directed at those who lie freely. I'm going to lie all the time. No sense in telling the truth. I just lie about everything. 
agree that the lie may cause harm to other people. Exodus 20, verse 16. Turn to that real quick. You might recognize if you look at Exodus chapter 20, we're talking about the section that refers to the Ten Commandments. Well, look at what it says in Exodus 20, 16. Now, this is the NIV version, just to make it clear. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Amen? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's basically everybody, okay? You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. That's essentially everyone. So don't give false testimony against your neighbor. Why? A false testimony is a lie. That's why. It's a lie. Spreading falsehoods and rumors about others is a contemptible act. That's what God is referring to in that proverb. A contemptible act. And you can't say or excuse that a white lie is acceptable or a lesser offense than a regular lie. I don't like the terms white lie and black lie anyway. Amen? It implies that there are degrees of lying from a person's own perspective, and that's absolutely unbiblical. It's unbiblical. A lie is a lie is a lie all day long and every day. So what am I saying? Believers don't need to be lying. We don't need to be lying. And you know, we sometimes we lie about the dumbest stuff. Stuff that you ain't even got to lie about, you lie about. But why are you lying? Shedding innocent blood refers to murder. It is the sixth commandment. That's in Exodus 20.13. And Jesus expands upon the definition of murder in Matthew chapter 5. Turn to Matthew 5. Let's look at verses 21 and 22. Matthew 5 verses 21 and 22. I figure if I wear this cowlick long enough, I can steam out the curls in my beard. And I'll pull it off and I'll have straight hair. <laughs> Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. 
Jesus is emphasizing here that it is without question a sin to commit murder, but he's also emphasizing that the murder of a person's character is especially sinful because it is a contemptible thing to do. There's collateral damage that comes with the destruction of a person's character. It can have a negative impact on the person, but also on the people who know the person, the family members of the people involved. Assailing someone's character is a contemptible act. Family members, friends, and associates can feel that sting when one's character is being assassinated. It has a ripple effect. A person who makes an effort to deceive others or try to run games on unsuspecting people are especially contemptible to God. They are detestable before God. So we made a brief and uncomprehensive list of sins. Those are the nagging weeds in our life. But we need to understand that these listed sins are abhorrent to God because God hates sin and what it does to his people. You know, there is an effect on a person who just keeps sinning and sinning and sinning. And it's not a good one. God wants us to pull the weeds of sin out of our life. He wants us to look to him as the one to prevent these weeds from coming back. Amen? We've seen the effects of it and what it involves. And I dare say that everything we've talked about, you know about. You've done it. Now we know that weed pulling is seldom going to remove the weeds in our garden. It may require repeated efforts of weed pulling. In other words, you go out there and pull some weeds, oh, they're all gone. You may have to go back and pull some more. Because that's what weeds do. Weeds don't require a whole lot of soil. Have you noticed that? They don't require a whole lot, but they will take it if you give it to them. (laughs) It may require adding a weed killer of some sort in strategic areas of our garden to get the job done. Our garden. Us. We can relate to how these nagging weeds need constant attention by every single one of us. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be engaged in removing these weeds. But not just with our own tools, but through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? The power of Christ. He's the only one that can help us with this. By the grace of God, the penalty of sin, thankfully, has already been taken care of. Praise the Lord. The penalty for sin is already being taken care of. Turn to Matthew 26, 28. Matthew 26, 28.
It's a short statement, but we need to understand what Jesus did for us to take care of this penalty. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. When we emphasize the importance in speaking to a person about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that emphasis needs to be given on how Jesus Christ died for our sins and has set it up for us to be forgiven for our sins. Quick uh, reference to Acts 10.43. Turn to Acts 10.43. Keeping you moving so that we can keep your fingers going and oxygen flowing through your body. That way no one no one will pass out before I do want to emphasize to you, since we're going to be wearing masks for a little while, find a comfortable mask. If you don't have one, find one. It's going to be necessary. Amen? Amen. Not a public service announcement, but find one that's comfortable. Acts 10.43 To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Forgiveness of sins through his name. The name of Jesus Christ. He is the source. Now all that we have to do is to use the weed puller in our lives and ask Jesus for his forgiveness. Because we have to stop sinning. Amen? we got to stop it. We're the ones that have to pull those weeds. But we have to ask Jesus Christ to give us help in this. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Ask for forgiveness. You stop sinning by taking it to Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, forgive me. You know how hard it is for some people to say, Lord, forgive me? It shouldn't be that hard at all. It needs to be part of your lexicon. It needs to be part of your rhetoric. It needs to be part of your life. You should be saying, Lord, forgive me all the time. Because you know you need forgiveness. Now I'm telling you stuff you guys already know. Amen? I mean, you know this. But sometimes we need to be reminded about it, don't we? Because sometimes we're in this rut. And we figure out why we're in this rut. It's because we're not fellowshipping with the Lord. Lord, forgive me. You say it. We discussed our sins and we may acknowledge them. But the weeds aren't cleared away unless we pull them. We must ask Jesus Christ in all humility to forgive our sins. Humility is the opposite of pridefulness. Remember pridefulness? We mentioned that earlier. Humility is the opposite of prideness, pridefulness. Go to Proverbs 11.2. And we are on the home stretch. Just so you know. Proverbs 11.2. Part of our daily reading includes reading the Proverbs. And I love that it includes the Proverbs because it really helps us to get perspective in a very brief statement. 
Because sometimes we read like one or two verses at a time as we read through the two-year Bible reading. Well, you read the reading through Proverbs once every year. And it repeats again. But sometimes one brief statement makes all the difference. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Wisdom. If you are humble enough to know that you don't know everything, God provides you the wisdom and knowledge you need to get through it. Amen? Y'all catch that? If you are humble enough to realize you don't know everything, or know anything, God provides you the wisdom and knowledge to get through it. And learn something. You may be learning about yourself. James 5.16 James 5.16 It's really, really important for everyone in this room to remember You are not on an island. You have a number of people that you can go to and talk to if you're having a struggle, if you're having a difficult time. There are some things that we all need to pray about, and that includes our shortcomings. Our shortcomings. Things that you need help with. It's not about bearing your soul either, because we all know that all of us sin and fall short of God's glory. Amen? Amen. We're all in the same boat. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's from James 5.16, your standard version. If you live a life of goodness and gratefulness, you don't have time to be envious and you can easily put aside any tendencies of laziness. Remember all that stuff you were talking about everybody going, ooh, when we talk about laziness? If you live a life of goodness and gratefulness, you don't have time to be envious and you don't have time to be lazy. Because you're thinking about what? Other people. You're looking at your life. You're thankful for what you got. Of course, we know about those who don't work. You don't eat. Amen? If you practice self-control, here we go. Ready? If you practice self-control, You avoid gluttonous behavior. Got real quiet after that, didn't it, Gus? You avoid gluttonous behavior, lustfulness, and greed. Self-control. Get yourself together, man! Sometimes you have to say that to yourself. Get yourself together. Self-control. Why y'all look at me like that? 
You avoid gluttonous behavior, lustfulness, and greed. If you practice love, peace, and kindness, you can prevent anger from springing up. Why do we get angry? Somebody did something to us. So what? Why are you getting angry? Practice love, peace, and kindness anyway. Tell them God bless you. Amen? (laughs) And say it and mean it too. It is as simple as our complete reliance upon the Holy Spirit for the fruits that it produces. Because everything I just talked about are fruits of the Spirit. Go to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. And of course, we need to be reminded of these fruits of the Spirit because if we're not relying upon the Spirit, we are not able to do the things we just talked about to overcome sin. The fruits of the Spirit are there specifically to help you in this battle with sin. Pulling those weeds. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is a good way to close this message. Because this is a reminder for all of us that we can do these things very effectively if we rely upon the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And amen to that, because that is what is our new covenant with Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with the old Mosaic law. This is the law. Just follow these things that the Spirit is giving to you. And you can pull those weeds in your life. The fruits of the Spirit are greater than the weeds in your life that sin. They're much greater. And they grow abundantly as we remain focused on the ever-working power of Jesus Christ. His ever-working, wonder-working power. Amen? Amen? Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your loving presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for how you minister to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for helping us to be able to pull those weeds, resist the sin that we sometimes get involved in in our lives. And Lord, as we are being honest with ourselves, we know we need a lot of help pulling those weeds. But we thank you that you're there to help us through it. Lord, bless us and keep us. Keep us through this time that we're living in right now. Where sometimes we get idle and sometimes we need help. Because we're looking for something to do and we probably shouldn't be doing it. So help us through those situations, Lord. Help us to remember the fruits of the Spirit. Because, Lord, you want to have that relationship with us where we are growing and growing in you. Help us, Lord, and we just give you thanks and praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.